Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. There was um, someone uh, here today who was um, uh, delivering something. Uh, and uh, we were in the same uh, the coat room there as I was putting on my boots. And uh, this person uh, said, um, I can't wait for my retirement. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I think I just nodded or, you know, made some sign of connection, you know, or maybe I said the word, but very li- I don't think, you know, I, I just, hmm, some, something like this, very simple. And then, again, he said, that's all I think about. It's the only thing I think, I think about all day long. And then I said, when is it? And he said, four years. And uh, yeah, that was touching. And then I, you know, we both walked out, or I walked out. And then I was doing the the walking meditation. Well, just on the way to to my little walking spot. Yeah, I definitely felt. For him, you know, I thought this this is not an easy situation. And also, I was um, kind of thankful to the practice, the Dharma. That's that's what was uh, up for me. I was, you know, to me, part of of course, there's many things we could say about it, but part of what was revealed to me, what appeared to me, was. Uh, you know the the mind that can cling to an idea, and uh, you know uh, add suffering because you imagine you want retirement, and you think about this all the time, and there's four years to it. That that's a lot of, uh, and it makes it it seemed natural to me that it would happen in someone. You know that that can that. It makes sense to me that somebody would say that, you know. It, uh, yeah, and I had gratitude to, for the capacity to see, you know, to, to see through a storyline, to, to notice that the mind, you know, is hooked on something, believes in something, and or is obsessed by something, you know, and... and um, to the capacity to discover how it can block the view totally. You know, that you can't actually experience maybe something else, other things that are there, you know, or find ways to balance the mind, uh, even in a situation that we, you know, where we, we can't choose. Maybe it's, it's probably not possible to retire early for the, earlier for the, now, now, now would be good. But obviously, it seems like it's not possible. But uh, 
So what is possible then in circumstances that we don't choose? You know, what's, what's possible? And I think uh, I'm telling this little exchange and story now to talk about, you know, what we're doing here is we're, we're, we're trying to find ways to hold what is there in, in a way that doesn't add to the suffering but maybe release, release, relieves some of it. Can you hear me well like this? It works. Different location, different needs. Um, and, um, and just as I sat here, I was thinking of, um, you know, I've been... Um, enjoying these days uh, lately some of the images that are used in Buddhist teachings, mostly maybe by the Buddha, uh, to describe some as- different aspects of what we're doing. And there's a, there's a story that the Buddha seemed to have told about uh, a quail that got caught by a hawk. And the way the Buddha puts it uh, he says, uh, you know, the, the, the quail left its domain, its domain of security and protection. And its domain is in the little rock formations, as I get it from that text, you know. So the, the quail does really well when it can hide easily under a rock, you know, and uh, find food there and find refuge there. But the quail went a little bit out of its uh, domain and maybe in the field where it was exposed. So the hawk came, you know, and grabbed the, the quail. And, uh, and the Buddha says that the, the problem here is the quail left its domain uh, and uh, got caught by the hawk. And, um, and I think in that story... It, it, like the Buddha gives a chance to the quail because I think the quail maybe negotiates something with the hawk <laughs> and says, you know, like if you let me go to my domain I swear you won't be able to catch me and the hawk says, oh, no, I'll be able to catch you anyway something like this I don't remember this part very well but anyway, the hawk lets go of the quail and the quail goes back to its domain and is not caught by the, the hawk and, you know, in these analogy, as the one this morning, you know, every aspect represents something. So, what's your wild guess? Who's, what's the hawk? What's the quail? What's the domain? And so the, the, the teaching of the Buddha says here that there's uh, the domain re- refers to the... the Maybe in the, if you know some of the Buddhist list, it refers to the, the foundations of mindfulness, the four foundations of mindfulness, to being uh, attentive to what's happening now, if I put it in very uh, immediate terms, you know, to be aware of body, breath, posture of the body, activities of the body as we're doing it, 
you know, aware of mind states, aware of experiences of pleasure as they are happening or displeasure, being really interested, aware, awake to. Uh, and if we leave that domain, uh, like the quail le- leaving its domain, then there's a chance that the hawk is going to grab the quail, or for us, afflictive emotions. You know? So, in, uh, in line for food, you know, you're in line for food, you really got to stay close to your domain, honey. <laughs> you got to stay close to standing, standing, breathing, breathing. You know, because if you lo- leave your domain and start thinking about how long is it going to take, you know, the hawk might catch you, you know, and there might be all kinds of emotion that comes, you know. So that's a way that I think the Buddha has to, to teach uh, mindfulness and mindfulness as a protective measure something that helps uh, protect us. And so our attention, you know, I don't know if it's like this for you, but certainly for me, without the instruction, my attention would go in all kinds of direction, you know, and leave the domain of being uh, attentive to what is happening now. How can I be with what is happening now, awake to what's happening now in the body, uh, learning how to accompany the immediate experience how to be interested, awake to, and accompany the immediate experience. And so um, my mind would easily start speculating, does, that your, does your mind do that? Later, in the past, if it could have been like this in the past, if that had happened in the past, and then, lo and behold... I love these expressions. I'm not sure what they mean, but I've heard them enough that I feel confident I, I could use them here. I can use this one here. Lo and behold. I have no idea what it means, but I think I do. It, it means, et voila. <laughs> Lo and behold. You know, suddenly you're in some kind of melancholy about something that never happened. I wish it was back this thing that never happened, but could have happened. You know, and then I'm caught in this world, you know, and suffering in some ways because I uh, was not aware that I was leaving the domain that was more safe. You know, I just wondering in this way, you know, and then got caught by some emotions. Pretty dramatic (laughs) the way it's presented. I think, yeah, I think, that was the point, you know, to make it a little dramatic here. And so, you know, I hearing this person sh- share their bit of their story, you know, uh, the person who was uh, the worker, and I was thinking, what? What would be of help? You know, what would be of help to this person? Of course, we could go in all different directions with this, but in terms of dharma, in terms of practice, you know, what would be of help for me if I was in that situation or when I am in that situation? You know? Well, it's to come back to the immediate experience. Oh, here. Here's a body moving in space. Here's a hand uh, 
pushing on the door, here's warmth, here's maybe bird songs or ventilation. You know, something connecting to something that is happening now, abandoning the construction of, uh, you know, I'm separated from what I want, what, what has value, what the only thing I want doesn't ex- is an idea, you know, doesn't exist. It's very painful. And, yeah, so that's how I was feeling this. I was like, oh, so what would be helpful to me? What is helpful for me when I get into Practice renunciation. Let go of that idea for the moment and come back to something immediate, just here. Oh, this ache here. This person is aching. Forget this thing over there. How is this person? Oh, maybe they're deserving of a compassion, of care, of tenderness. Not easy being this one just now. You know? So come, coming back to something, uh, to hear, the experience of here. And it's not easy. There's a kind of a very playful, I find, image that the Buddha used to talk about how not easy it is to do what I'm describing here when there's the mind as, is clinging to something, to an idea. I want this. This is the only thing that I want. This is the only thing that counts. This is the only idea that I'll, you know, uh, that I'll, uh, uh, you know, cherish or adore, you know, the idea of this thing that I want, need, or need to get rid of. Um, to actually uh, come back to the body is not that easy. And the Buddha describes it. You might know this image. Uh, he talks about mindfulness of body, being just this, aware of stepping, stepping, aware of the foot, lifting, moving in space and landing, aware of... Uh, here, breathing, are aware of heat, the experience of heat, or thirst, or tiredness, or silence. Staying with this, staying with this. The Buddha compares this to um, somebody who, um, what would be the expression in English? The, in, the, in the fête foraine, in the... In the, in the in a large gathering of people in a, in a festival, yeah, in a festival, somebody who in a in a in a large crowd during a festival would um, want to imagine it's you. You're given the task uh, to cross to cross the, the 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 grounds of the festival where there's people going this way and this way, and some are drunk and some are in. The, family gathering and they laugh and some are rushing to go to there and etc. You know, like all this movement and you want to cross this uh, ground and you have a big, uh, would it be like a cauldron or jar or container filled to the brim with boiling oil and you don't want to drop any oil. And so you, you, you want to... And not only this, by the way, not only this, but there's also 
in the text, or the, it seems like the Buddha describes this, there's also a kind of a beauty queen who's doing um, a, a sword dance in front of you. <laughs> and you're trying to, uh, to uh, not drop any bit of oil and, and, so, and burn yourself, you know. So that's quite a challenge, isn't it? You know? And so the Buddha compares this to mindfulness of body. Do you recognize something like this? You're like, okay, well, just be with the breath, you know. Yeah, but oil dripping, you know. Oh, I, I wish we would be Saturday already. Although I love to be here, I also would like to be somewhere else. <laughs> you know, oops, drop, drop, you know. And so that's what we're doing here. We're trying to do something that requires, it's very delicate, It requires a lot of balance, inner balance. A lot of, uh, it's a very delicate work uh, that we're doing. And we're going to spill some. <laughs> There's going to be some spilling happening. Uh, but that's a way to describe uh, the practice that uh, we're doing. I'll indulge in a few images. Hopefully they're, they're going to be helpful helping us uh, today, uh, yeah, today, let's put it this way. This image is the image of the, the plow. And um, in, this, uh, in, in this one, it seems like uh, the Buddha talks about two, two things that happen when you're plowing a field, preparing the field, for maybe uh, uh, seeds to go in. And the plow, uh, with the plow, you have to have a sense of direction. Huh? So it doesn't, so you make, and we can see it, it's very clear, huh? straight lines in the field, like this, like this. And so our task is to have a sense of direction, you know, because we could easily, you hear the bell, you hear the bell, and you rise to go uh, do the, the next practice, walking meditation or, or eyes open outside meditation if, uh, if uh, the walking is not a possibility for you today and, uh, and suddenly whoops, you veer and you end up in your room on the bed checking your phone <laughs> what are you going to harvest later you know And so there has to be a sense of direction as we're going, you know, with the... So the ox go in the right direction, you know, and turn. At the, so there has to be a sense of di direction. But not only this, it's not only the direction, it's also this, the, what happens is the, something about the depth. So the, the part of the plow that goes under the ground... <laughs> Maybe somebody knows. In French, it's uh, sac, S-O-C. So this part of the that goes in the ground, uh, the Buddhist. So using the image of the plow, says what we're doing is we're we're um, we're preparing the the soil uh, for wisdom to grow, as we're as we're uh, practicing here, sitting here or standing here, or lying here, if that's what you're doing, or uh, walking, or 
eating the meal, you know, bringing presence to what is happening, instead of going, letting the mind be scattered or be habitual with its fascinations and considerations, past, future, all kinds of consideration about moi and moi later and moi in the past and things like this. And so to have that sense of, uh, of direction and then the staying, staying. And so what happens is the Buddha says something that was hidden is revealed. Like the plow turns the earth and reveals some of the what was hidden under, like puts on top the the, the earth that was. Uh, you, you can see that I'm not a farmer. It's very clear that I like the vocabulary. It's not just English. I could, I could say, oh no, it's just the English. No, it's a, there's, there's several challenges challenges here for me. But something is revealed, and so that's that's what we're doing here by paying attention by renouncing, letting go of commenting and storytelling and I almost want to say timelining, like putting things in the story, in the timeline story. I was here, I'm going to be here later, I was there in the past. Do you follow me with this? This kind of way of perceiving or organizing life, you know, this, this way of conceiving reality. And we kind of drop this for the present moment and we stay with the present moment stay with the present moment and something that was hidden from from the view uh, with this plowing that we're doing uh, this mindfulness practice this staying with this being curious about the presently arisen phenomena you know the breath the hearing the what's the bird with a little bit of the red here, male? Robin. Robin. Ah, that's the robin. So the robin appearing, you know, grabbing a worm, or you know, kids crossing the field over there, you know, or the appearance of a a worker desiring retirement you know, by noticing these things being conscious of these things you know what will appear is their exactly that their appearing nature their appearing and disappearing nature and so that's what we do here we pay attention to events and we stay with them in order to see them vanish at some point the thought vanish with superficial attention things might seem uh, very permanent and solid like this sitting is never going to end but if we stay attentive we'll notice that the sitting ends at some point and the walking session ends at some point <laughs> and the thoughts and the emotions. And so that's what we're doing here. We're plowing. We're plowing by staying connected, staying uh, in, uh, following maybe the instructions to the best of our ability. Uh, 
what is hidden will be revealed. Or maybe the tendencies of our mind will be revealed. We just sit here and aim to just be here with the sounds, with the body, alive, sensitive. And then we'll notice how the tendency to disqualify oneself maybe arises in some of us. I don't know if it's your experience or the tendency to adhere, be fascinated by a timeline, go back to a story in time. I'm here and later I'll be over there and to reconstruct the world in terms of a timeline that actually might not exist exactly like that. <laughs> ah, how dare you? How dare you? Like completely deconstruct, <laughs> destroy my view of moi, of the world, you know, where we are, we were somewhere, we're here and we're going somewhere. And so tendencies, things will be revealed. We don't know exactly what. Tendencies of the mind, the nature of reality. And we have the whole week to discover this for ourselves and try, try to put it in words. To talk about it in another way. Um, the other day I was listening to, and I can't remember, or maybe I was reading an article. Anyway, information. I was receiving this from somebody else, and I don't know who and it, in what form. But the message stuck, 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 stick, <coughs> stuck in with me. Uh, the person said, ask the question, what's the most important uh, what has the most value for capitalism what has the most value for capitalism it's a good question no? what has the most value for capitalism and the person provided the answer they said our attention Our attention is what has the most value to sell us something. If capitalism can grab our attention, as, you know, it tries to do all the time in so many different ways, you know, if it grabs our attention, it can make us believe something that we need something, or that we're not enough, or that this would be so satisfying. You know, this thing, or experience, or status. Or, so what's the most important thing for capitalism? It's our attention. And I've been reflecting on this after hearing or reading this, and to me there's two answers to, to this. What has the most value is our attention, 
and our wrongful, mistaken perceptions that we mistake something for something else. We take something for something. We take something for satisfying when it's not. We take something that can, could be mine when actually maybe it can't totally be mine. Or that can't, something could be purchased or gotten and would stabilize my well-being and my happiness and my comfort or security. So it takes attention and mistaken view, wrongful understanding, or def yeah, erroneous understanding. Put it in another way. What's the most important thing for afflictive emotions? If you want to develop, cultivate afflictive emotions, who's interested? <laughs> If you want more afflictive emotions, what's absolutely needed for greed, hatred, delusion, uh, maybe despair, Envy, uh, frustration, uh, etc. What's the most important thing that you must have is lack of attention. You want more afflictive emotions? Don't pay attention. And erroneous uh, understanding, mistaken understanding about what's happening, the nature of what's happening. You want healing, peace, freedom? Who? Who's into this? Clarity, maybe? Compassion, joy? What's the most important? I think it's attention, being attentive, If you want healing and clarifying something about the nature of what's happening, the nature of reality. And so here, that's what we're doing here for a week. We go in this kind of lab, laboratory, and we explore the nature of reality. It's not easy to do. Because we have a lot of preconceived ideas, expectation, wants, conclusion, you know, and lack of attention. So what we bring here is attention. We're developing our attention, stabilizing it, refining it. And in this way, we're going to be able to clarify things about what really is going on. And this is going to be liberating Naturally, it will open the heart to joy, to compassion, to acceptance, to maybe creativity or flexibility of mind or heart. And so we bring, we bring attention. That's the most precious thing here. Instead of giving it to capitalism that's trying to sell us a bunch of things that 
don't work so well, you know. We, uh, we take that very, very precious thing, attention, and we bring it to what's happening here, to phenomena, in order to reveal what's going on, what is it made of, really. And again, we have the whole week to... unpack to unpack this And we do this, uh, we could say there's three forms. There's uh, being here as a community in this hall. When we gather here, we're in the heart of the opportunity or the lab, you know, to actually develop this attention to what is happening just now. Not thinking about it, but experiencing life experiencing it, experiencing the body underneath our preconceived idea. Yeah, a body. I've had a body for a bit, Pascal. I know what it is to be in a body. Come on, give me something else here. No. No, we discover again and again, we're invited to discover what is it like to be in the body now. What is it like to be sensitive, to have senses? Now. So we come very, very close. We're invited to come very, very close to experience. There's a kind of a switch of value happening when maybe before coming here, see if it's true for you, We valued a lot our ideas about things, expectations, ideas about things. Here, we value experience. We don't value our thoughts about it so much. We value the being there for the step, the being there for the taste. Not my ideas about the taste, not my idea about the food line, the queuing, but the experience of it, the experience of it. So we redirect attention again and again to the actual experience, not the idea about, not the thoughts about, the comments, or, you know, uh, um, projections or anticipation about, but the experience of it again and again. So what we start to value is not our ideas about things, but the experience itself. I don't know if I'm able to transmit this well or talk about this well, but to me, it does represent a, a switch of value. Because if you sit me here without instruction, I will value my thoughts. This is what I'm going to value. What has value here? Well, you give me 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, I'm going to think about something. This where would be where my attention would go. This would be what I would value. And it seems like the Buddha and those who uh, 
followed after many, many, many of them. Let's say, put your attention on the experience happening now. The experience of heat, of cold, of ache, of ease, of contraction, of expansion. See if you can stay with this. Stay with this. And we do this here in this particular part of the lab that is the meditation hall. This is what we do here. And then we continue the exploration, investigation, when we go maybe outside, or of course we can do the walking inside here, or maybe there's other secret places that I'm not aware of inside here. Uh, But we do this uh, uh, in movement. And then we also do this everywhere else on this compound, on this land. When we go for a longer walk, maybe uh, in the fields, at the mealtime, when we are in our room, or in the bathroom, when we are in the dining room. So this is the, the culture, this is the invitation to, yes, do it here, but then when we stand up to move, the research so to speak, speak, continues as I'm moving towards the next research station. I'm doing the research of what is it like to be here, discovering this again and again. Printed, serious. <laughs> Words of the Buddha in English. In regard to phenomena, phenomena we could define it as an experience happening live in real time. Let's work with this definition. So, phenomena is an event happening. Uh, in the now, in the, in the moment. So in regard to phenomena, they abide contemplating, contemplating phenomena diligent, clearly knowing, and mindful, free from desire and discontent in regard to the world. Worth repeating, no? in regard to phenomena, in relationship to phenomena, she abides contemplating the phenomena diligently, clearly knowing and mindful, free from desire and discontent with regard to the world. So it's different words to describe what Kamala uh, was saying this morning she wasn't saying it. I was, I was reporting what she was saying. But did Kamala say just enough energy to connect and sustain attention to an object, to an event, to an experience? Just enough energy to connect and sustain attention to an event or an object in order to know it clearly and Kamala added this morning 
not clinging to the object like we cling to things we fear or desire. This is way too much energy involved. Just enough energy to experience. And here the Buddha saying, uh, contemplating the phenomena, diligently, clearly knowing, mindful, free from desire and discontent with the world. And a little later, putting it in this way, here. So thereby contemplating the nature of arising of a phenomena, thereby contemplating the nature of passing away of a phenomena, thereby contemplating the nature of arising and passing away of a phenomena, Mindful that there is a phenomena. Mindfulness that there is a phenomena is established in them just for the sake of bare knowledge. Just for the sake of bare knowledge and for the sake of continuous awareness. They abide independent, not clinging to anything in the world. Worth repeating. So, how do we practice? What do we do here? We abide contemplating the nature of arising, being there for the arising of a phenomena, a bird song, a taste, an idea, an emotion, a foot lending, a foot lifting, an impression of heat or sudden coolness. So, we abide contemplating the nature of arising of a phenomena, the nature of uh, passing of a phenomena, the nature of arising and passing of a phenomena, or mindfulness, mindfulness that there is a phenomena is established in us just for the sake of bare knowledge, not for the sake of producing opinions about. So simple, no? just for the sake of bare knowledge. What could that mean? That will be for us to go discover. What does it mean to actually experience the heat of tea or the weight of the cup or the weight of the body lying in bed? Just for the sake of bare knowledge. So delicate. I hope it works for me. I'm hearing this, I'm like, okay, I'm getting it. Like I, these are instructions to me. So what do we do? What do you do, Pascal, when you go back to your room? Whatever you do, do it for the sake of just experiencing it. Don't abandon it in your, all your consideration about the future, the past. If you're interested in peace, in wisdom, in clarity, in compassion, in tenderness, in maybe joy, Pascal. Just be with an event, whatever the one is there. Take the local one. You don't need another event, this one. Feeling like shit? That's an event. Plenty of reality. Ah, feel off, feel... Ah, just experience it, if possible. 
just experience it knowingly. Just to know it clearly. Some things are pleasant, other things not pleasant. That's part of the problem, you would say. But here, pleasant or unpleasant, or neither one, we're invited just to experience simply, simply, a taste, appearing, disappearing. And we abide independent in this way, not clinging to anything in the world. Or if we notice clinging, we just notice, oh, that's a phenomena, clinging. It can be ex experienced clearly, knowingly. Not easy, what is being described, this, or this invitation. But we have time to find our way into this. And to me, the most interesting is what? What does it mean for you? What can it mean for you? And what can it mean for you, for me, in all the different situations we'll be in in the next hours? You know? So to me, what it means is if I'm walking, just walking for the bare, for for the sake of barely knowing. Is that the way this phrase? Just to experience the stepping, stepping. If the body or I stop, just, what's the invitation, Pascal? Just to experience this. Just to experience the standing now. And if the body turns, is it possible to be there as the body turns? And if there is a wave of frustration or doubt, what am I doing here? Why did I? Why did it seem like a good idea? Worst idea ever. Remember that. You know, suddenly there's this wave of wanting to not exist here now in this wave. Suddenly just this. Oh, look at this. Whoa. Or a wave of passage of calm. Oh. Just experiencing it. The appearing nature of calm and its disappearing nature. The appearing nature of frustration, its disappearing nature. The appearing nature of Robin, the disappearing nature of Robin, of a taste, of a posture, oh, sitting. Let's stay aware, just sitting. And what we'll discover soon, sitting, disappeared. Now, standing. And at some point, standing, disappeared, or this in-breath phenomena. It's very, very open, no? Very uh, democratic, in a way. Any phenomena, thing, event happening now, is plenty of reality, is good enough, is a good choice. You could start with that idea. Yeah? 
things that are maybe helpful to know is and see if it's true for yourself. If it's happening uh, in the body, it might be easier to locate on the first day to experience or in the environment, as I put it. You know, aware of the sound of the fan. Plenty. You would think, oh no, I want noble objects of meditation. Well, if I understood well the teaching, this is good enough. Because at some point, it will show its flickering, appearing, disappearing nature. At some point, we'll be outside and there won't be this sound anymore. It was ephemeral. Or at some point, I'll be obsessed with something, <laughs> about something at home or in a relationship or something, the fan will disappear from immediate experience. And then, oops, it will appear. And so any phenomena is worth being intimate with because, amongst other things, we'll discover its ephemeral nature, dynamic nature, flick, Occurring nature, unstable nature. And we'll start to poke a, what what's the expression? To poke, poke little holes in the way we're we've conceived reality as solid, permanent, me, unchanging. And we'll start to see how things are fluctuating, changing all the time, the mind states the experience of what I call body, perceive it as one solid thing, the more we pay attention, we'll see that it's a dance of uh, sensations. Like what I call moi. Do you call yourself moi? <laughs> don't, don't call yourself moi. <laughs> But what I think of as I is something that is constantly made of something else. But we don't know this yet, maybe. And so trying, in my best way, to... Um, To describe a little bit what we're doing, giving attention to experiences, the best attention possible in this moment, not more, just the best attention possible in this moment to this thing, this event. just to finish on a maybe funny or sad note the last image uh, that comes from uh, the Buddha it's 
So imagine a, a little monkey, and uh, there is maybe on the tree a little bit of um, raisin, raisin, sticky, shiny raisin, resin, resin, la resin, resin. And so you imagine the little monkey, you know, like looking around, see this little shiny thing, mm. and then smells it, and then it's intrigued and fascinated, comes close to it, and touches it with one finger, and then sticky, and then goes with the other finger. And then with all the fingers, and all the fingers like this, and it's, oh God, I'm all stuck in the resin. <laughs> and decides, very, uh, very wise, very clever, decides to put its feet inside to help out. <laughs> you know, put the feet, and I'm, oh, good Lord. And then what else will you do than put the, the other feet in, you know? <laughs> Let me get out of this. I'm st stuck <laughs> in this. And that's the Buddha describing this. I, I don't know if he did the whole play. He seemed to not move a lot, at least on statues. But <laughs> I have my little ideas about the fact that he did move. <laughs> and, so the, and then what's the last thing to do if you want to get rid of resin and your, all your paws or your hands and uh, feet are in there? Well, there's only one solution, is to go also with the mouth. And so go in the mouth, and, and, and you're all... And the Buddha used this image to describe how the mind, you know, has an idea crosses the mind, like, oh, this idea that this could happen later. Oh, look, it's shiny, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, smell. it has a certain smell, let me go in there. And yeah, but if that happened too, and if it happened like that, and what would I... Do you see this? How the mind can really get entangled, entangled in its own creations, you know, and, uh, or lack of uh, wisdom. And so what we do here is we just notice resin as a resin. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just notice smelly, shiny, you know, If we touch it a little bit, sticky, sticky. We don't get so involved. Huh? So just for the sake of bare awareness, just aware, a thought has crossed the mind. An emotion is present. Why do I feel this? I've always felt this. I don't want to feel this anymore. And if I did that, I wouldn't feel like that. You know. So here we take a different approach, just noticing, oh, unease. It's not easy. Not easy. But it's good to know, you know, what's, what's the invitation, what's the research that we're doing, what's, what we're, how we're playing with these things called emotions and thoughts and sensations. To just notice and stay with and see what's going to happen with it. Of course, there's hundreds of nuances to put to anything 
that is said, you know. But let's see if we can use something in there to help us uh, continue our exploration. So let's sit just for a few moments here. The words uh, of Kamala, again, as an instruction, that yourself hear it again. Sati, mindfulness, remembers itself, knowing just enough energy to connect and sustain attention on an object, to know it clearly, not clinging to it like we cling to things we want or fear. Knowing the impermanent nature of the object. Just enough energy to connect and sustain attention on an object, to know it clearly, simply, to experience it knowingly. May we find our own way to do this and may it lead to peace and freedom, ease, understanding. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.